mercy every day, every day to us. We're just overwhelmed with, with how much you bless us and how much you take care of us. And we pray that uh, you would be glorified today in the preaching of your word. And as the messages go out, that, oh, Lord, if it's your will to draw one of your sheep to you, we pray you would. And if there's any here who come today that have, don't know you, that if it's your will, that you would open their ears and, and open their eyes to see thee, we pray, and that they might run to thee and flee to thee, that you'd make them willing. We pray you'd be glorified, though, and magnified in the preaching of your word, and glorified and magnified in the singing, and in the piano playing, whatever's done, Lord, may it bring all glory to you, and all honor, and all praise to thee, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, last week we did a little overview, the first 15 verses, and today I'd like to just take a look. I was planning on doing two verses, but there was so much in verse 1, it would just be in verse 1 today. So, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and the name of the message is all by the will of God, all by the will of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So two main things for us to consider in this first verse is that Paul is an apostle by the will of God. And last week in the introduction, I touched on that a little bit. Paul's not, he, he didn't become an apostle by man's will and by man's doing. Nobody put him there but God. He became an apostle by the will of God. And then the second point we'll look at this week is, it says God's people are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now who is Paul an apostle of? Well, we know from the scripture here, it says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's an apostle of Christ. And who are the saints faithful in? We're faithful in Christ. See, the main thrust already of the, of the epistle right away. Paul's getting their eyes right away again on Christ. He does this every single time. It's incredible. That's, that's the first thing he points the saints to. Spurgeon said, when a preacher preaches a message, we should make a beeline for Christ. And that's absolutely right, because he is what's most important. He is who is most important, and he's also to receive all the preeminence. Preachers aren't supposed to talk about themselves. We're to talk about the one who we worship and who we adore and who saved us and has redeemed us by his precious blood, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And think of this. If you take Christ out of this verse, the apostles and the saints both sink into insignificance. If Christ is removed from this verse, we're nothing. And neither is Paul. This whole book is a book about Christ. From beginning to end, from the Old Testament to the New, it points us continuously to Christ and what he's done. So, if we take Christ out of this verse, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And one commentator said, to remove him would be to blot out the sun out of the skies. That's, it would, it, there'd be nothing there. It'd just be darkness. And this is why it's so important for us to preach Christ and to preach his preeminence as well. He is the one who receives all the preeminence, all the honor, all the praise. Apart from him, we have no spiritual life. None. Apart from him, we have no justification before God. None. Apart from him, we have no hope. You see how, how much our whole lives as believers, our whole belief 
as believers is wrapped up in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Again, this is why it's so important to preach Christ. One commentator said, without Him we would be without God in the world, without hope, without light, and without heaven. Oh, what great comfort Christ is to the believer. He's everything for us. Everything. Now Paul says here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's talking about his office as an apostle. He was called distinctly, and he was called directly, by, and immediately by a voice from heaven, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was sent of God to preach what was he sent of God to preach? He wasn't sent of God to preach his, his experience. Right? He wasn't sent of God to preach to be like a, a cheerleader or a guy to, to get you hyped up, was he? No, he was sent to preach the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. He was, he was sent to preach Christ. So he's speaking here of his office as an apostle. He had a direct commission from God himself and it was without the intervention of any human hands or any human instrumentality. None at all. It was all by God. It was all by the will of God. He was called by God as an apostle and it was all by the will of God. In Colossians, we're studying that on Wednesday nights and it says this, Paul, in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. Paul's appointment to apostleship was not his own doing. It was called by the will of God. And he continually wrote this. In 2 Timothy, he said this, Paul, an apostle, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. Again, do you see how he... Right to Christ again. But the continuous vein, as he always said, by the will of God. Do you know that every believer is saved by the will of God? Every believer by the will of God. This is why when, when the Lord says, folks, we say, well, that was their appointed time. That was the time for God to, that, God, that God appointed for them to to hear the gospel. Oh, what a great God we have. And Paul continually writes upon this truth. And he took no honor upon himself. He took no honor upon himself. But it was God who did this. And it was all by his will. And all by his power. Because Paul was off on the road to kill Christians, wasn't he? To gather them up and take them to prison. Well, God had other plans. <laughs> Oh, the will of God is eternal, beloved. It's eternal. It finds its origins in God. It finds its origins in His good pleasure. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. It finds its origins in His good pleasure. And it is the cause of the everlasting covenant of grace. God's will foreordains every blessing which the everlasting covenant contains for the heirs of promise, which are believers. And to do this will, Christ came to die in the place of His people. He came to do God's will. Brother John and I talked about that 
But a month ago, Brother John mentioned that. You remember that, Brother? You were saying Christ came to fulfill God's will, to fulfill the Father's will. Well, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. He came to die in the place of his people before God's law and justice is their substitute. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Christ came to fulfill the will of God. And it's God's will that he'd save his people from their sins. That's wonderful news for sinners. Wonderful news for sinners. It's God's will that his people would be sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And by this will, by God's will, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers are called and placed wherever it's God's will. It's amazing. He's a sovereign king. And he's in full control. And what great comfort this would bring this brings us as believers. That his will will be done. By God's will, the preacher's word is made effectual. And believers receive grace from God to believe. It's all his work. It's all his work. We, are, we who believe are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. All of them. In heavenly places where? In Christ. All in Christ. All in Him. Now think of this, beloved. What great comfort we can glean what treasures are stored up for us in the precious truth that God is unchangeable, right? His will will be done. He's unchangeable. Spurgeon said this. I put this in the bulletin, but I wanted to read it too. The Christian knows no change with regard to God. He may be rich today and poor tomorrow. So our standing, we may be rich one day and poor the next. He may be sickly today and well tomorrow, right? He may be in happiness today and tomorrow in distress. We've all experienced this. But listen to what Spurgeon goes on to say. But there is no change with regard to his relationship with God. No matter what the Christian state is, there's no change with his relationship with God. If he loved me yesterday... He loves me today. I am neither better nor worse in God than I, than I ever was. And then he goes on to say, Let prospects be blighted. Let hopes be blasted. Let joy be withered. Let mildews destroy everything. I have lost nothing of what I have in God. Oh, oh, what peace that brings us. What peace that brings us. Because I know if it was me, I, I'd ruin it. But no, it's all dependent upon Christ and what He's done. God is without variableness or shadow of turning, beloved. And one commentator said, what infinite serenity there is in our God. What infinite serenity there is in our God.
And he's the governor of the universe. <laughs> and his will will be done. In this world, our lives, there are times of uncertainty and trouble and sorrow and sickness and heartache and trials. But remember this, beloved. Oh, remember this. Our great King and Savior and Redeemer is unchanging. Unchanging. I am that I am. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Malachi 3.6 I am that I am. He's unchanging. Therefore, His will never changes. God never changes. His will never changes towards us. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 13. His will never changes towards His people. And remember this, Paul was raised up by the will of God, right? Saved and redeemed by the will of God. So is every one of us. Saved and redeemed by the will of God. Oh, it's marvelous. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew this hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, heaven loved his own. We're in the world. He loved them until the end. God's love for his people is unchanging. <laughs> unchanging. He went to that cross willingly, beloved, and he knew exactly what he was doing. He must redeem his people from their sins. He must. He must. So Paul was raised up by the will of God. He was sent by the will of God. He was empowered by the will of God to do that which God had planned for him to do. And as I, as I said earlier, let us remember that if we're saved, it's by the will of God. That brings us great joy, great peace. And remember, this is why I say keep praying for your loved ones and keep praying for people uh, who, who don't know Christ. We don't know who God's elect are. He knows. But we have no idea. Therefore, we keep praying. Oh, we, and if it's His will, He'll save them. He'll draw them. He won't lose one of His sheep. He said not one. Not one. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Every believer is chosen of the Father, redeemed by the Son, and regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. And it's God's will and choosing when this happens. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Speaking about believers. Now, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I don't feel this way, but this is what Scripture says is a reality. But I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God in Christ. I struggle all the time. And I know you do too. But look what Scripture declares. But ye are a chosen generation, verse 9, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a particular people that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness. Remember Colossians, we saw that? Called out of the kingdom of darkness, or out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, 
who called you out of darkness, and what darkness it was, into His marvelous light, which in times past were not a people. Oh, we were, we were just going along, doing whatever we will, and enjoying whatever we would do. But God knows every single one of His sheep. Look at verse 10. It says, Which in times past were not a people, but now the people of God. And here it is right here, beloved. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the pinnacle which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We who believe have obtained mercy. We didn't seek it. We've obtained it. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should post. We've obtained mercy. Oh, God has had grace upon us in Christ. And Scripture says, God has made His people in Christ kings and priests to the praise and the glory of His name. Eh? Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 1. And keep in mind what we just read in 1 Peter. And this is all by the will of God. This is all by the will of God. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace. There it is again. Paul always does that. We're going to see that next week. Every time, grace and peace. And why? Because, as I said before, grace always precedes peace. And if there's, if there's no grace, there's no peace. Oh, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace be unto you in peace from Him which is and in which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto Him that loved us. Unto Him that loved us. Oh, what great love Christ has for His people. And washed us from our sins. How? In His own precious blood. In His own blood, Scripture declares. In His own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He gets all the glory. He gets all the... And it's all by God's will that this happened. It's not by chance or luck or... There's no... Spurgeon said our, the word luck should be extinguished from our vocabulary as believers. Because there's no such thing as luck. Oh my... And this is all by God's will and by His decree. And let's go back to our text in, in verse 1 of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And who are the ones that this epistle is addressed to? To the saints which are at Ephesus and, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Here we say, the faithful in Christ Jesus and the saints. Saints is another name for God's people, for His elect who are called saints. It's a biblical word. It's being maligned and twisted by, by, by the Catholic Church. They've twisted it all to pieces. But the word saints is defined in the Greek as a most holy thing. A saint. And Paul calls the believers here at Ephesus saints. If you're here and you believe you're a saint, I don't feel like a saint, but Scripture declares I am. 
God's people are set apart, beloved, consecrated to and for the glory of God. They were chosen in Christ from eternity in the councils of heaven to, to, to this blessed state. Predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Their predestination is the cause of their call by the Spirit of God to come out and be separate and to be a particular people zealous of good works. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 7. When Paul addresses the believers at Rome as the beloved of God and called to be saints. This is a word that's often used to, about believers in Christ. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, loved of God from eternity, called to be saints. It's not a word we should be afraid of because this is what we are. We don't feel like we are, but Scripture declares all who are in Christ are saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll look at verses 8 to 10. And this, keep in mind what we read there about God's people being saints and God's people being faithful in Christ. We're going to look at 8 and 9, 10, and then we'll look at 9 specifically. Be not thou therefore ashamed, 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9, be not thou, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy call, and not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, think of what we've been reading and what we've been looking at. We are saints by the will of God, right? It's by His will, and all His will only. We've chosen in Him in Christ, chosen in Christ in eternity, and, and redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. But look at the order of verse 9. 2 Timothy 1 9. Look at the order of this. Who has saved us? So who's the one who saved us? God has saved us. Because we know that. Look at verse 8. At the very latter end of verse 8, of the gospel according to the power of God. And then it continues. Who has saved us? So God has saved us, right? We don't save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. It's impossible. So Scripture here declares that God has saved us. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. God has called us with a holy calling. We're saints. A most holy thing. And that holy calling is by the Holy Spirit calling us, and regenerating us. And then look at the... Look at, now, you've got thousands of religions out there based upon works, right? And you've got all kinds of religions that use this, this Bible itself and, and claim that salvation isn't something you do. But look what the Scripture declares right here. Not according to our works. So we can't be saved by our works. It's impossible. It's only the grace of God in Christ. And then look at this. This is all according to His purpose. But according to His own purpose and grace, well, by the will of God. <laughs> by the will of God which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It's a gift given to us, and it proceeded from the sovereign will of God in Christ before the world began. What a wonderful salvation we have in Christ.
It's a gift from eternity in Christ who is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so we see God's distinguishing grace on display to His people. And it's amazing. As I said, I'm the only one in my family who the Lord saved. Well, it's only by God's grace that I'm saved. And I know a lot of you are in the same place where only certain, you're the only one in, in your whole family is the Lord saved. And we just marvel. But it's by the grace of God. It's by His will. And for each of God's sheep, there's a day of salvation, a day when they are made willing by God's power and they flee right to Christ. And we know that because there was a day when we weren't willing and then all of a sudden we were willing. (laughs) And it's amazing. When the fullness of time has come, the Spirit of God brings God's sheep as willing subjects into the kingdom of grace. When the fullness of time comes, when it's God's timing. Isaiah 43.21 says this, This people have I formed for myself. This people have I formed for myself. Remember in Romans it says, Vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. These people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Oh, Isaiah 43.21 This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Oh. Back to Ephesians chapter 1 and we're close here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at our Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now believers in Christ are faithful in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ by electing grace. We are given faith and repentance by the grace of God. And we are preserved in Christ by the grace of God. In one day, beloved, we will be presented blameless. Sinners presented blameless. Oh my. And believers in Christ are faithful to the cause and interest of Christ and to the gospel and to the ordinances. And our profession who's our profession of faith in? It's in Christ. It's nowhere else. We've we, we've cast away all other hope. It's only in Christ and Him alone. He's the very one who saves our souls. And then what happens? We live a life, don't we? We're lying and trusting on Christ. And He keeps us going. (laughs) It's amazing. This is why John Newton said, it's amazing grace. How sweet this that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So we are translated. Turn, if you would, to Colossians 1.13. We'll look at this in light of, of what we're looking at here. We are translated into the kingdom of His dear Son, taken from one and placed into another by, by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. We're no longer of the world. We're in the world, but we're no longer of the world. We're in Christ. 
And the things that once interested us we are, are kind of waning, they, off they go. Now we still struggle with sin all the time. We struggle with different things. And, and there's still some things we like to do and stuff. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the lifestyle that we once lived, we don't desire that anymore. Look at Colossians 1 verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Oh, beloved of God, we are rooted and grounded in Christ, engrafted into Him as a branch into the stem of a tree, rooted in Him as a tree in the earth. And believers are faithful in that they have received the precious gift of faith. And we abound, we abound therein with thanksgiving. Doesn't make your heart glad that the Lord saved you, those of us who are saved. Don't you remember where you were and where you are now? Oh, it's wonderful. It's marvelous. And we look, believers in Christ, look to the atoning blood and to the justifying righteousness of Christ, and nothing else is the ground of our salvation. That's it. Nothing else. All in Him, all in Christ. And believers are also faithful in that we no longer live unto ourselves. We don't live unto ourselves anymore. We seek to live unto Christ. I remember even doing our, when we had our cleaning business in Oregon, sometimes you just didn't want to go. It's just like, oh my gosh. Well, I want to do this for the glory of God, though. And you want to do your job for the best that you can, even if no one else is looking to glorify God. Is it not so? So our whole lives, our whole lives have changed. We don't look to ourselves, but we seek to live unto Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. We're bought with a price. So the searching question is this then. Are we the saints and faithful in Christ Jesus according to the scriptural meaning of the terms? Those who can respond, yes, blessed are they who can respond that though we're miserable sinners, yet we're saved by grace alone, through Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And we have wonderful fellowship, don't we? One with another. Because we're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Well, what can we say to that but to God be the glory. Great things He hath done.